holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. Worthy are you, O Lord, our God, to receive honor and praise and glory forever and ever and ever. This is how they talk in heaven. Day and night, this is how they talk in heaven. Before we look at the third commandment, In Deuteronomy, I want us to stop and just remind ourselves of just how holy God is. Because this is the basis for the third commandment, that God is not like us. God transcends his creation. To whom will you liken me, says God. He says, I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. When when John saw the Son of Man in, in the fullness of his glory and he heard that roaring voice, he fell down like he was dead, filled with fear and awe. And with when Paul was Blinded on the road to Damascus by the risen Christ, he fell face down in the dirt. And he said, who are you? He said, what shall I do, Lord? When Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up and he witnessed those flaming six-winged seraphim who never cease crying, holy, holy Holy Isaiah screamed out, woe is me, I am absolutely undone. Job, when he got that 2,000 word tongue lashing from the creator himself out of a whirlwind. He laid his hand on his mouth and he says, I despise myself and I repent in dust and ashes. And when Yahweh revealed his glory to Moses and proclaimed his name, what did Moses do? He hit the deck and he worshiped. When you are seized By the holiness of God, you stop playing games. You stop trifling with God. And let's don't forget the original context of this third commandment. Don't forget Mount Sinai, thunder, lightning, and smoke, and fire, and earthquakes, and this booming voice. From heaven that we cannot even imagine. And God said, you shall not take my name in vain. And they were terrified. They were rightly terrified. 
And they begged Moses, please don't ever let him talk directly to us again, lest we die. To this very day, devout Jews will not even say or write the name Yahweh for fear of treading on this third commandment because God is holy. Hallowed be thy name. Let's pray for help in that today. Our Father in heaven. You are in heaven and we are on earth. And we say, hallowed be your name. Your name is holy. And Lord, we, our minds don't even scratch the surface. Our hearts don't even feel a tenth of the weight of it, Lord. Help us at least in this moment, God, to see you for what you're worth. To think of your name, your character, your glory rightly. You are our God. We will extol you. Lord, be exalted. Speak to your people, Lord. Change our hearts. Change our hearts. Make us a reverent, reverent people who treasures you. Speak from your word, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 11. As we continue to work our way through the Ten Commandments, today we come to the Third Commandment. And I want to look at the Third Commandment in, in four sections. One, I want to look at an explanation. We'll just explain the commandment. Then let's look at the weight of it, the gravity, the the seriousness of this commandment. And then we'll look at the different applications, both negative and positive, how, how it is that we can break the commandment and how it is that we should keep the commandment. And then as we put that mirror to our face and feel the conviction of failing to, falling short of the glory of God in that, I want us to see good news. From the third commandment. All right. Verse 11. It's the only verse we'll look at. And I want you to notice, first of all, it has two parts separated by a comma right after the word vain. The first part is the commandment, the second part is a warning. And so let's look at the commandment first. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. This is the exact wording of the same commandment originally given back at Mount Sinai back 40 years earlier in Exodus 20 and it is extraordinarily simple. It's just a handful of Hebrew words yet it's like the rest of God's word. It is rich and it's complex and it has far-reaching consequences. I want you to notice three words, three key words that I want to focus on. Take, name, and vain. You shall not take. You shall not take the name 
of the Lord in vain. A, a, a real basic word, real basic Hebrew word with a, a wide range of meaning, but it basically means to, to lift something up. So think about that. If I grab my Bible and I lift it up, it's probably because I'm about to use it. If I take up a hammer, it's probably because I'm about to use it. In a related way, it also means to bear up or to, to, to take something heavy and carry it on your shoulders. Like Jesus bore up the cross, like he bore our sins in his body. So, so what does it mean to take the name of the Lord? It means several things. It means to take the name of the Lord on your lips or to, or to speak about God or, or to bring the name of the Lord to your to your mind to think about God or even to bear his name to bear his name in your confession to be a Christian to be a one of the people of God to represent him this is what it means so in short to, to take the name of the Lord is to use the name of the Lord you shall not use the name of the Lord your God in vain what does the name of the Lord mean? Well, first of all, the, the original language does not say Lord. It actually says Yahweh. Whenever you see Lord, L-O-R-D, in all caps in your Bible, just know that that's actually the divine name of God, Yahweh. So why not just say Yahweh? Because of the third commandment. Like I said a minute ago, the, the Jews were so afraid of breaking the third commandment that they refused to say it or to write it. And to this day, that tradition still exists. But that's not what this commandment is really about. The Bible makes clear that, that God is not so much concerned in the proper spelling or pronunciation of his name proper. But what God is concerned with is the proper recognition of his character and his nature and his reputation. And I want you to think about that. What is a name? What is a name anyway? A name is simply a placeholder for the person. I'm going to throw out a few names to you. Try not to laugh at any of them. But I'm going to throw out a, a few names to you. And I want you to watch what comes to your mind when I throw these names out. You, the, the thoughts that come to your mind are not going to be about their name. They're going to be about that person. They're going to be about their character, their achievements, their persona, their brand, their so on and so on. Barry Sanders. Half of you don't know who that is. Really good running back. See, I didn't even think about his name, Barry Sanders. I thought about running back. Donald Trump. Probably the best, biggest variety of things going through your mind right now. Warren Buffett. Adolf Hitler. Albert Einstein. It's not the name, it's the reputation, you see. When God refers to his name, he refers to himself. 
The name of the Lord represents all that is God. His essence, his nature, his character, all of that. I love the way one commentator said it. The Lord's name is shorthand for all that he has revealed about himself. And it actually even starts with the divine name itself. Yahweh. Remember the burning bush. Moses first encounters God. And he says, Moses says, what is your name? And he says, Yahweh, which means I am. I am that I am. In other words, I am the self-existent one. I am beholden to no one. All are beholden to me. The name of the Lord contains all the answers to that big question, who is God? When Moses begged God to show him his glory, how did God respond? He said, okay. God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and I will proclaim my name. You should be like, okay, here we go. God is about to proclaim his name. And does he simply say, Yahweh? No, he proclaims his name by saying, I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I will show mercy to whom I will show mercy. And then the second time God explains his name, he highlights his sovereignty in saving sinners. And then he passes before Moses and proclaims his name again in this way, Yahweh, Yahweh, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin, but will by no means clear the guilty. Who is God? That's who God is. That's His name. God is great. God is good. He's all-powerful, all-knowing, omnipresent, eternal, from everlasting to everlasting, merciful, gracious, kind, compassionate, faithful, patient, loving, righteous, and just, full of wrath against sin. God is the potter. We are the clay. He is sovereign. He has mercy on whom He wills. He hardens whom He wills. He is Creator, Redeemer, Shepherd, King. He alone is God, unrivaled, unmatched, holy, holy, holy. This is His name. This is His name. And we dare not take up even a fraction of it lightly or wrongly. You shall not use the name of the Lord in vain. The third key word is vain. Another word with, with broad meaning. And at its lowest level, it means emptiness or nothingness. And, and from that base meaning, I got three categories to help us understand how it applies. One has to do with value or, or worth. So let's think about that word vain means emptiness or nothingness. What is nothing worth? Nothing. Right? Some of these questions aren't hard. What is nothing worth? Nothing. 
What is an empty bag of gold worth? Nothing. It's, it's worthless. So therefore you shall not use the name of the Lord in a worthless way. In a devalued way. The second meaning here has to do with falsehood. Because think about it. Empty words are just not true. Empty words are not true. They're false. They have no worth. They have no substance. Therefore, you shall not use the name of the Lord in a false way or an untrue way, in any way that's untrue. And the third meaning builds off those first two. If somebody acts or talks in a worthless way or a false, empty way, God considers them evil. As a matter of fact, Sometimes the Bible uses this same word and attaches it to wicked men, worthless men. So, therefore, the third way you shouldn't use the Lord's name is in an evil way. So, with those things in mind already, we've got this basic summary of the third commandment. You shall not use the truth about God in a worthless or false or evil way. Now, before we go any further, you've you got to realize that the third commandment is not just addressing what we say. It's not just about our speech. It encompasses all three spheres, our thoughts, our words, and our deeds, our actions. It addresses what you think about God how you express your thoughts about God, either in writing or in speech or any other way, and how you even respond to the truth of God and how you act when you bear His name. Now this all-encompassing scope of this commandment stems from two things, I think. One is the truth that Jesus Himself expressed that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks you see how the third commandment could affect this out of the heart the mouth speaks and then second the that all the commandments are addressing both physical and spiritual things and so out of the heart the mouth speaks what you say about God how you act in relation or in response to God all reflects your heart what you say and what you do, that reflects what you think and what you believe. And so violations of the third commandment all stem from some form of unbelief. Whether it's unbelief in ignorance or it's unbelief from an evil, hardened heart, it all comes from unbelief. And so therefore, when you break the third commandment with your lips, you've already broken the third commandment with your heart. And this is, this is the same with all the other commandments because they address both the physical and the spiritual. Paul says the law is spiritual. Saying I ain't killed nobody doesn't mean you're not guilty of murder. Jesus said if you've been angry with, with someone, you're guilty already of murder in your heart. If you've looked with lust, you're already guilty of adultery in your heart. Just because you haven't used God's name as a cuss word doesn't mean you're not guilty because believe me, you are guilty and so am I. 
The question is not how many times. It's are you still doing it? We need to be careful to test our thoughts and our words and our actions as it relates to the truth of God. And so here's three ways to test those things and they correspond to those three categories of vanity, intent, truth, and reverence. And so if, you, if you're not supposed to use the name of the Lord in an evil way, you need to be careful to test the intent or your motive in your use of God's name. If you hate God, you're going to think and say bad things about God. If you hate God, you're going to want other people to hate God. This is your motive. If you are in love with yourself more than you are God, you're going to try to use God for your own advantage. If you're in love with your own sin, you're going to talk yourself into believing wrong things about God to justify your sin. You see the intent here. What is your intent in saying those things about God? What is your intent or your motive about thinking about God that way? Is it that He be glorified? Is it that He be faithfully attested to? Or is there an evil motive, a self-serving purpose? Test your intent. Check the truth. If, you, if you're not supposed to use the name of the Lord in a false way, then you need to test the truth or the accuracy of your use of God's name. Is what you are saying or thinking about God actually true? Is it true? Are you lying about God? Whether intentionally or unintentionally, are you lying about God? Does it line up with Scripture or is it just based on what you think? Because that's idolatry. Know the truth. Be grounded in the truth. Take great care with the truth of God. And third, since you shouldn't be using the name of the Lord in a worthless way, be careful to test your reverence. Your valuing of God's name. Are you very careful to always value God's name and the truth about God? Are you very careful to respect God as holy, holy, holy. Or do you have low thoughts of God, low views of God, or even worse, do you pretty much ignore Him? Do you say unguarded things about God without even giving it a second thought? Test your reverence regarding the truth about God. Give God the honor and the glory that's due His name with the right intent, 
with nothing but the truth and with reverence and this ultra high regard for his majesty. And that's sort of my summary of the third commandment. This is my summary of the summary of the third commandment. And that is to ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Now, second point. How serious is this? Or how serious is it to not do this? Look at the second half of this verse. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. The third commandment is another commandment with a, with a promise. Paul says in Ephesians 6 that the fifth commandment, honor your father and mother, is the first commandment with a promise. Well, the third commandment has a quote-unquote promise as well, but it's not a promise like Paul's talking about. It's not a promise of blessing. It is a guarantee of judgment. It's a curse. Once you notice, there's two key words here. The word not... And the word guiltless, which means innocent, clean, um, unpunished. So it means not innocent, not clean, not unpunished, not guiltless. In other words, guilty. You do this, you're guilty and liable to the hell of fire, Jesus says. And so God here is guaranteeing that violations of the third commandment will not go unpunished. He will not clear the guilty. Now, why would God tack on a threat to this particular commandment, not all the others? Because surely all the others have the same threat. Because God is jealous for his name. You need to get that. We need to get that. God is rightly jealous for his name. He says in Ezekiel 39, I will be jealous for my name. Yahweh is God. That's why commandment number one says, You shall have no other gods before me, he says. There's none like him. There's none like him. That's why commandment number two, you shall not make for yourself a carved image. God is matchless. You can't, you can't recreate him. You can't image him. That's why commandment number three says, you shall not take the Lord thy God's name in vain because he is worthy of this guarded, reverent exaltation. He is God. And here's the thing. Yahweh is your God. Look at that in verse 11. It says, you shall not take the name of the Lord, your God, in vain. So get this. Yahweh is your God. And I don't care if you know it or not or you like it or not, or even if you love it, it's true. Now granted, God is speaking directly to his covenant people, so he means it here in a covenantal 
way. I am your God, you are my people. But the truth still remains that God is God and there is no other. And God is God over all that he has created. And he says, all souls are mine. So Yahweh is your God. And you can hate God all you want. He is still your God and you are still liable to this commandment. And guess what? We can love God with all of our heart. He is still our God and we are still liable to this commandment. And he says, whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. The Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Now, so with all that seriousness planted, let's think about how this actually happens, how this actually works. How can we break the third commandment or how can we keep the third commandment, because every commandment has both those sides, that, that negative breaking the commandment and that positive of upholding or obeying and keeping it. So let's look at how can we keep it? How can we break it? How do we break the commandment? Now this is not an exhaustive, you know, we could stay all here all day and talk about ways to do this. But I got seven general categories with some examples in each. Number one is through blasphemy. This should be like one of the most obvious ways to break the commandment. Blasphemy. Any act or thought or speech that curses God or reviles God or speaks evil about God. And just think about it. That hits all those categories. There's, there's an evil intent what you're saying and thinking, is, it's not true. And boy, it certainly devalues God. An example of this is given in the law, in the book of Leviticus. you got these two guys that get into a fight in the camp. And one of them blasphemed the name, capital N. He blasphemed the name and cursed. Cursing God. Using God's name as a curse or a curse word. They, they brought this man out side the camp and they stoned him saying whoever curses his God shall bear his sin whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall be put to the death and they rock stoned him down blasphemy second manipulation manipulation sorcery magic divination, fortune-telling. These are some of the, again, more extreme ways to break the third commandment. But you got to think, what is sorcery? What has sorcery got to do with the third commandment? Well, it's all an attempt to manipulate God and His powers, the powers that be. Deuteronomy calls this an abomination Calling upon God or, his, or calling upon His powers like this, even in ignorance, is a vain, futile attempt to exercise control over God Almighty. Incantation for the purpose of manipulation. That's what it is. And trust me, that's not how God works. That is not how God works. You cannot manipulate God Almighty his name is not a magic word. He's not a genie in a bottle. 
Remember the sons of Sceva in, in Acts 19? They saw Paul healing people and casting out demons in the name of Jesus, and they thought they could boost their exorcism business by doing the same thing. So they go and they try to cast out this evil spirit in the name of Jesus. Remember how that worked out? The evil spirit looked at them and said, Jesus I know. Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the demon-possessed man jumped on them and beat them down in such a way that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Note to self, breaking the third commandment might leave you naked and wounded. That's sort of funny, but man, isn't that the heart of the prosperity gospel? And the word of faith movement, name it and claim it in the name of Jesus. Using the name of the Lord like it's abracadabra. Trying to manipulate God and presuming that he will answer you the way you want him to, when you want him to, instead of saying, Lord willing, if the Lord wills. Don't try to coerce God. Number three. Through falsehood. You break the third commandment through falsehood. And there's lots of ways this could play out. But one is to, through fake oaths or false vows or false oaths. Invoking the name of God in a promise that you have absolutely no intention to keep. God refers to this in, in Jeremiah and other places. He says, they say, as the Lord lives, yet they swear falsely. You see how that works? Sort of like me asking to borrow money from you when deep inside I really have no intention of paying it back. So in order to deceive you a little bit and, and somehow try to make my promise sound more convincing, I'll say, on a stack of Bibles, I swear to God, I'll pay you back. Blasphemy. You've associated the God of truth with a lie. Matter of fact, you've even tried to offer him up as the guarantor of your little debt. Do not take the name of the Lord in a false way. Another way is through false prophecies. The Bible talks about this over and over again, about profaning the name of God through false prophets. This is their great sin. Explicitly condemned in Deuteronomy, he says, the prophet... Quote, unquote. The prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, that same prophet shall die. Saying things God did not say. Either things that are not true or things that God didn't actually say. Either way, it's a lie. And the devil is the father of lies, not God and so be warned my friends next time you hear or next time you say God told me this did he check your intent here check the truth here check your reverence Next time you are tempted to say something like, God told me or God laid this or that on my heart. Now, I'm not saying 
God does not lead his people by his spirit. Romans 8, all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. Every son of God is led by the spirit of God. But we need to beware and be warned of two things. Number one, the heart is deceitful. Number two, the Lord is holy. Speak the truth about God. Fourth way to break the third commandment is through irreverence. Irreverence. Thoughtless, flippant use of the name of the Lord is absolutely irreverent. Referencing God in any way as an interjection or an exclamation or just simply as a common turn of speech is irreverent. To exclaim, oh, Jesus Christ. Or, oh, Lord. Or, oh, my God. Or even typing, OMG, is a sin. Do not ever, ever do any of that again. Guard your mouth. If God were to manifest himself here, you would never think that way. You would never talk that way. That's not the way they talk in heaven. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Oh my God. We should be, we should be so thankful that the Lord is slow to anger. Bless His holy name. That He is slow to anger. God is majestic. He is not to be regarded as common. Don't call God daddy. Don't call God the man upstairs. Don't rush into prayer. Don't rush out of prayer. Be on guard for a distracted heart when you're in the presence of God. Be on guard for this irreverence. When when God killed Aaron's sons, In the tabernacle, he said, among those who are near me, I will be sanctified. I will be glorified. So let's guard our heart. Guard our mouth. Guard your steps. Our Father in heaven deserves to be hallowed. Fifth way to break the third commandment is through misrepresenting. God. Beware of misrepresenting God. This is the the, the heart of idolatry again. Representing God in ways that are not true. Just think of these the Israelites, this first generation of Israelites just days after God had redeemed them out of Egypt split open the Red Sea and drowned all their enemies and is bringing them to himself. The people complained and they accused God of scheming to kill them. They accused the Redeemer of being a murderer and nothing could be further from the truth. They profaned the name of the Lord by grumbling over His providence. We do the same thing. Describing false motives to God. In Isaiah, the Assyrian general who is leading the siege of Jerusalem, he belittled God. 
He made God to be less than what he is. He, he boastfully said of all the gods, he says, has there, has there been any god of any nation that delivered them out of the king of Assyria? Well, that man went down condemned for mocking God. What did he do? He made God out to be far less than what he really was. He devalued God. He misrepresented God. And we can do the same thing. We can do the same thing simply by thinking God is like this or thinking he's like that instead of actually confirming that and rooting that in Scripture. So beware next time you say or think, you know, I think God is like blank. God is not who you think he is. God is who he says he is. And so all of a sudden, in that moment, right there in that moment, you are misrepresented God with something out of your own imagination. And then, there's another way to misrepresent God is to just deny or dismiss or downplay or, or even ignore clear revelation about him it's staring you in the face and you turn your head away you rip the page out you cross that out you want to see it you misrepresent God here's an example God declared his name isn't that what we're talking about don't take the name of the Lord in vain God declared his name by saying I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious I will show mercy to whom I will show mercy but you say I don't believe God is sovereign in salvation Ephesians says, God chose us in Christ way before the foundation of the world. In love, God predestined us for adoption to himself. And you say, I don't believe in predestination. I don't believe in election. God responds with, who are you, O man, to talk back to God? You say, you say God loves everybody, and the scriptures say God hates evildoers. Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. Which is it? Thus saith the Lord, or thus saith Greg? God says you can't keep fooling around with your girlfriend or your boyfriend, and you say, well, God wants me to be happy. God says, let there be no filthiness or foolish talk or crude joking among you. You say, well, God doesn't mind a little fun. You are misrepresenting the holy God just to justify your sin, and God will not hold him guiltless, those who take his name in vain. Don't misrepresent God. Number six, through faithlessness. One way this plays out is through worthless worship. Worthless worship. It has been said that more lies are told on Sunday morning than all the rest of the week combined. Sadly, that is a reference to heartless, faithless worship in the church. And granted, it is not true everywhere. But it is here. And, and we need to be on guard for our ourselves and vain worship like this is condemned all throughout scripture but Jesus I think said it best when he quotes Isaiah saying this people may it not be so this people honors me with their lips but their heart is far from me in vain do they worship me 
In vain do they take my name upon their lips. Think about that. To mindlessly take these wonderful truths of, of God on our lips, but there be no worship in your heart. That there be no felt worth in the worthy things that you're actually saying or singing. Just to go through the motions on, on, on Sunday morning. God condemns this kind of thing. God condemned the priest uh, in Malachi's day of offering these polluted sacrifices. He says, you have despised my name. Fake worship is no worship. And it despises God's name. Another way to do this faithlessness is actually worse, maybe. I'm not sure. And it's through ignoring God altogether. Ignoring God. And this happens every Sunday as well. And it happens every Sunday here. Many of you come to church week after week and you hear the Word of God preached, you hear the whole counsel of God revealed to you line by line, the majesty of God and the glory of Christ heralded to you with the best of our ability. And you know what? It has no effect on you at all. None. We have stole His name and it moves you not. You ignore God. You could care less about His name. Like Romans 1 says, although they knew God, you know all about Him. You know all about Him. Although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God. They didn't honor His name. Last way to break the third commandment is through public sin public sin for those who bear the name of the Lord. That can, this can dishonor. Those who bear the name of the Lord can dishonor the name of the Lord through sinful behavior. And this can happen corporately as a church or it can happen individually. When God announced the new covenant through the prophet Ezekiel, He said God is going to be merciful to sinners. He's going to save covenant-breaking people. Why? He said, for the sake of my name. He said, it is not for your sake. It is not for your sake, O Israel, that I am about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations. And so when the people of God, people who bear God's name, when they sin, His name is profaned among the nations. Unholiness in the church Worldliness in the church profanes the name of our holy God. And man, isn't this a great excuse for the Gentiles? Isn't this a great excuse for the unconverted? Why should I go to church, they say? Why should I go to church? Church is just a bunch of hypocrites. They're no better than I am. They're no different than I am. And they're right. And you have profaned the name which you bear. Paul says the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. 
We can say the same about individuals who bear the name of Christ, like King David, who, who sinned grievously, committed adultery and murder, and God said, by this deed you have utterly scorned the Lord. To King David. Another translation says, you have given occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. You have profaned my name, God said, with your sin. The sin and worldliness and hypocrisy from those who bear Christ's name scorns the Lord. It dishonors the name. It causes the word to be reviled. It causes the name of God to be reviled, the New Testament says. Now, the last way to, to break the third commandment is to not keep it. Not to, not to handle those positive obligations. So how do we do that? i got four simple things. Number one, how to keep the third commandment. Be jealous for God's name. Have a zeal about His name being hallowed. We are God's people. We are adopted children who bear His holy name. We are called to love what He loves and hate what He hates. God loves His name. God is jealous for His name. We should be too. We should be prepared to defend God's name when it's profane. We should be like Phineas who defended God's name when sin and idolatry invaded the camp. And he was commended for being jealous for his God. He was commended for having the same jealousy that God has for his own name. And we all need more of this. I need, I need more of this. I need to be more jealous, more zealous for the holiness of God's name. We need to make the number one petition of the Lord's Prayer one of our top priorities. Hallowed be thy name. Lord, we want your name to be hallowed. Lord, we want your name to be made holy and to be revered as holy on earth as it is in heaven. In this church as it is in heaven. In our hearts as it is in heaven. We need to be more jealous, zealous for God's name. Number two, we need to be faithful witnesses. We need to be faithful. Not just witnesses, faithful witnesses. If you are going to think or say anything about God, let it be from thus saith the Lord. Let us be a church that is all about the book. All about the book. Let everything we think, let everything we say, let everything we do be faithfully rooted in these scriptures. If you don't know it, don't guess. If you don't know it, go and search the scriptures. If you don't know it, go and seek wise counsel. Honor God. Testify to all that God has revealed about himself and his ways. And guard your heart and mouth that you would ascribe the glory due his name. Be a faithful witness to the name. And third, be a reverent worshiper. Don't be like we just talked about. Honoring with lips, but nothing in the heart. 
We need to fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. Fear God. Honor the emperor, but fear God. Tremble at his word. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be be hasty to offer a word to God, for God is in heaven and you are on earth. Offer up reverent prayer. Offer up faith-filled worship. Draw near to the living God in spirit and in truth, in both of these things. Let's honor God with our hearts. If you truly bear the name of Christ, it means you know the gospel. If you know the gospel, you know far more than enough to be deeply affected by it. Be a reverent worshiper. And last, be a holy people. We need to be a holy people. God has promised us this. He has promised this glorious reality. You shall be holy. For I am holy. You shall be holy for I am holy. You are a chosen race. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. Let us be a holy nation. Set apart from the world. That city on a hill that can't be hidden. That light that can't be covered. A light in a dark world. Let us bear the name. Let us bear the image of Christ our Savior well. Bear the name of the Lord. Now, I hope you feel the weight of this commandment. <laughs> I hope you feel the weight of this commandment. It's what it's supposed to do. Consider, now think, considering all the ways that it applies to us, both positively and negatively, what is your verdict about yourself? Guilty or guiltless? The Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Well, here's the, here's the verdict. Guilty. None is guiltless. No, not one. None is guiltless. No, not one. But here's the good news. There's actually a greater name commandment that I want you to know about that most of you do know about. This name commandment will not add to your guilt. It'll take it all away. It'll take it all away. The third commandment condemns us all. None of us have ever ascribed to the Lord the glory due His name. The wages of sin is death. Those who blaspheme God should be put to death. But there's a greater name commandment and it's this. This is God's commandment, John writes, that we believe in the name of the, of, of the Lord Jesus Christ, of God's Son. And in believing, we should not perish, but have everlasting life. Do you hear that? God Almighty is commanding you to be saved. The one who should bring his wrath against your blasphemy is actually commanding you to be saved today. He is commanding you by commanding you to believe in the name of his son, Jesus. But what a wonderful turn that's here. 
The Bible says there is salvation in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. This name that we've been talking about all day, God has bestowed upon Christ the name that is above every name. Why? Because Christ has embodied the name of the Lord and has fulfilled the name that was given to Him at birth. You remember that? Before Jesus was born, this angel comes to Joseph and says, Look, Mary is going to bear for you a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. You shall call his name Yeshua. It's the Hebrew version of that. Which means Yahweh is salvation. You're going to name him that. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins, including the third commandment. Jesus is God in the flesh, Yahweh incarnate, and He has fulfilled that name. He has saved His people from their sins. It is finished. He has secured that eternal redemption. Just days before Jesus was crucified, He rode into Jerusalem with the crowds crying, Hosanna, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is He who comes in the name of of the Lord, and right before He was crucified, hours before He was crucified, Christ prayed, Father, glorify Me now in Your presence with the glory that I had with You before the world existed. I have now manifested Your name. I have manifested to Your name to the people that You have given to Me out of this world. And then in this final act of perfect obedience, the Son of God demonstrated for the world to see the fullness of God's mercy and grace and steadfast love and faithfulness and forgiveness and righteousness and justice and wrath. All in this one moment when He bore our sins in His body on that tree as a substitute and a sacrifice for the sins of His people. Therefore, vindicating the holy name of God so that God might be just and justifier of the ungodly who have faith in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ. And God vindicated Him by raising Him from the dead on the third day. And He bestowed on Him that name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every single knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every single tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Do you want to honor the name of the Lord? Then bow your knee to Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Do you want total, absolute forever forgiveness from the curse of the law, total forgiveness from blaspheming the name of God a thousand times, then guess what? Just call upon the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. What a promise that is. That's it. You live a life of sin, rebelling against God, hating His name, profaning His name, and God says, look, all you have to do is call upon that name you've blasphemed and I'll save Man. But think about what it means. 
Considering what we just learned about the name of the Lord, it doesn't mean just say the word Jesus or say Lord. What it means is to appeal to His name, to appeal to His nature, to appeal to that sovereign God of mercy. Go and appeal to the one who says, I will be gracious. Run to the one who says, I will be merciful. Run to the one who says, I will forgive and call upon Yahweh that saves. Call upon Jesus, Yeshua, the Son, the Son of God, the Savior of sinners. And from this faith forward, guard your heart and your mouth and honor Christ the Lord as holy. You know what the text says? In your hearts, that's where it all starts. Honor Christ the Lord as holy. That means live a life on a bended knee. Live a life keeping close watch on the way you think about the Lord and a close guard on what you say about the Lord and make it your aim in every occasion to ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. That's the third commandment. Let's pray the Lord will help us. Lord, who who can ascribe to you the glory that actually is due you? Lord, help us not to think low thoughts of you, false thoughts of you, or even evil thoughts of you. Lord, help us to describe, ascribe to you the glory, at least in, that we know. Help us to ascribe all the glory to you that we know about so far and continue to show us more, Lord. If we have found favor in your sight, please show us more. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your spirit that both convicts us and changes us and shows us the glory of Christ. May you be exalted. In Jesus' holy name.